We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Sponsored by FanDuel, the leader in one-day fantasy sports. I'm Jake Latarski, joined today as always on Mondays by Chris Benzine. If you're out there on Twitter, you can give Chris a follow at Crispy272002. You can follow me at J-A-K-E-S-K-I-5-2. Chris, football season's right around the corner, and although we're going to focus on baseball today, uh, I found an interesting week one NFL DFS dilemma. I figure we'll take a minute to talk about that before moving on to Monday's 13-game MLB slate. And we do see with FanDuel releasing football prices relatively early that value plays start to emerge as we get closer to week one. We know we can't change the prices uh, after a contest is already open. So that leaves us with guys like Osweiler at 7,100, he who gets the Bears at home, or RG3, the Brown starter, he's 6,900 on the road at Philadelphia. Just a toss-up question to get us going today. What's your preference there? I think I would have to go with Brock Osweiler in that one. Mm-hmm. The The Bears did improve their defense a little bit, but they were still one of the worst in the league last year. And I like the weapons that Osweiler has a little more. I feel uh, RG3, I think I like him in season-long leagues mm-hmm. when he gets Josh Gordon back. Corey Coleman gets a little more uh, acclimated to the NFL. He hasn't really played much in the preseason. Early on, I don't I don't see as much of a potential like connection might be little timing issues that you have to work on with, with RG3 and Coleman mm-hmm. off the bat. So I, I feel like early on I like the the weapons. You have DeAndre Hopkins. Lamar Miller can catch the ball in the backfield and take it to the house. He, he gives you 
exactly. there's some weapons around Brock Osweiler that I like a little more than what RG3 has at the moment. Yeah, I, I'm with you there. Now, some people might want to try to make a case for RG3 in a, in a GPP because he can do some crazy stuff with his legs and maybe explode. But I think you're right, Chris. I don't think that's going to happen in week one. That might take a little while. If it is going to happen, it might take a few weeks to get adjusted. And there's just a lot to like with Osweiler and that $7,100 price tag. Of course, getting the home team, getting the Bears. And, I mean, when you have DeAndre Hopkins and, and Lamar Miller, Joel Stave could be starting at quarterback for the Texans, and I'd pick him at 7,100 maybe in this matchup here. So uh, it doesn't matter. I mean, of course, Osweiler only helps this case with the solid preseason performance of late. So, We'll start working that in little by little, maybe do some uh, week one dilemmas here as we move closer to the start of football season on this DFS podcast. But for now, we're going to stick to baseball for the rest of the show. We've got a pretty heavy, as I alluded to, a 13-game slate on Monday night here. Normally, you see a lot of eight, nine-game slates on Mondays with teams getting days off. Not the case tonight. Chris, uh, since there's a bigger pool tonight, a lot more options on the table, but if you're going to get in a cash game, your 50-50s, your double-up, I like the big double-up on FanDuel, for example. If you're entering a contest like that, who's your preferred pitching option this evening? Yeah, I'm going to go down just a little bit, not much from the top. $100 from the top, which is Jose Fernandez on Monday night. Drop, um, Bypassing him, and I'm going down to Jake Arrieta at 10900 against the Pirates. I mean, the Pirates have been struggling at the plate recently with a strikeout rate at 20, <clears throat> 21.4%, tied for 11th in the league over the last two weeks. And Arietta has a good history against the majority of the team, all but Andrew McCutcheon. And McCutcheon isn't exactly the same player that he has been in past seasons. He's been dealing with some hand issues, some injuries that have, that have made him not as effective at the plate this season. So... You, you And you look deeper at Arietta's numbers. He's more dominant at home this season. He has 90 strikeouts over 74 in a third innings pitch, pitched, while his road strikeout rate is actually below one per inning pitch. So you have a big drastic change in those splits and a 2.18 ERA at home versus 299 mark on the road. Obviously, that's a little better at home in the 275 fielder independent pitching FIP supports that he's been pitching pretty well at home this season little maybe it's a little bit of luck in there but he's still pitching really well at home and we we go back to the pirates and he's allowed just eight runs over 27 innings and four starts against them this season he's had four starts against them and he's had 33 strikeouts over those 27 frames so i and you look at that matchup he's the heaviest slate he heaviest favorite on the slate at minus 235 has a great offense to support him that is a huge favorite if you're not familiar with betting odds that is a massive favorite number yeah you have to put down 235 dollars to win 100 is what that means but go ahead yeah so he's he's by far one of the heaviest favorites in this in well he is the heaviest favorite in the slate one of the heavy favorites you see so there's not there's a lot of factors to like jake arietta Mm -hmm. you got a good floor with him generally uh, and I'm willing to pay up for him, especially in those cash games where you want to make sure you're getting a pitcher that's going to return value. Yeah, I, I like the Arietta play, and I do think there's some safety to that. Um, I don't know, you know, I know you don't typically want to do this in cash games, but I actually want to move down the list a couple options. There's two pitchers at 8,500 that I'm actually torn uh, between to use, and uh, those are Michael Pineda and Tanner Rourke. The reason I like Rourke in cash games is because you mentioned the odds earlier. Rourke, even though the Nationals are on the road uh, in Philadelphia, they're facing Jake Thompson and... Uh, 
and they're minus 200 favorites. The Nationals are minus 200 favorites. That's big. I mean, like I said, that's pretty huge. And so there's a reason to like Rourke. But I think I'm going to lean towards Pineda in my cash games on Monday nights just because Pineda at 8,500, I think he brings a decent, uh, a sizable upside in strikeouts, a sizable advantage in strikeout upside, I guess is what I'm trying to say there, uh, because Pineda can strike some people out. I'll run down a few other reasons in support of Pineda. One, he goes against the Royals and Dylan G. Dylan G is probably the weak spot in the rotation if there is one. So uh, he actually is a minus 125 favorite on the road against the defending World Series champions there. So there's that to like. Also, I know this is kind of an intangible thing, but the Royals, they scored a ton of runs, but they played in the night game yesterday on Sunday night. So that tends to uh, kind of throw a wrench in the routine or the travel plans of teams like that. So, you know, they're playing... You know, on less potential rest and more travel time. I probably had a late night the night before, so I don't know if that's a huge factor. I just wanted to note that. And also Pineda here, I think that uh, he's fallen victim to both Yankee Stadium and a little bit of bad luck. In terms of bad luck, he's getting babbipped like crazy this year. 338 for him, that's a career high. And then you look at his 502 ERA, I think that is overstated because he's got a 386 FIP and a 340 XFIP, which is it would be a reasonable ERA. Think of it that way because the XFIP adjusts for ballpark factors like, like Yankee Stadium where lefties are going to go yard off him a ton. Now, we talk ballpark factors. We head on over to the K, Kaufman in Kansas City, where – it's much more spacious. Of course, there's a chance you can give up, bounce a bunch of doubles off the wall, but the home run probability is much less likely. And then, of course, I mentioned intangible factors before, but you got the Yankees. They're getting an early glimpse of their future. Guys like Gary Sanchez and Judge, all those guys, they've suddenly become a younger, more energized team. So I know the Royals have a lot of momentum on their side. If anything, that might help you as far as ownership of Pineda. They scored a ton of runs on Sunday night. It was Sunday night, and there's a defending champs, granted, and they're looking like they might make a run. That being said, I am not backing them on Monday night here. I, I don't know what you think about that, Chris. Is it too risky for a cash game? It sounds like you're making a case for them for tournament play from what I'm hearing. You're saying you, you like the lower ownership. Mm-hmm. You get some upside there. Strikeout, his numbers make him look better than they actually are, so that also could take people off of him. Mm-hmm. But uh, cash games, his numbers in terms of fan duel points aren't – very impressive recently. So For cash games, correct. Yes, for cash games, his numbers aren't impressive enough to make me want to use him in, in that format, but I could see him being a tournament picture, pitcher option as well. I'll go a little crazier with my tournament options, and uh, you guys will have to stay tuned till the end portion of the show to hear that. But for now, Chris, let's move on over to hitters, look at some of the hitters that we like. Uh, before we start that, just a quick recap. Highest over-unders of the night. you got the Coors Field game between Maeda and Gray, uh, Dodgers at Rockies. That's 11. Then there are two more games that check in with an over-under of 10. Marco Estrada and the Blue Jays at Wade Miley and the Orioles. That game has like eight home runs written all over it, especially being played in Baltimore. Then you've got uh, the White Sox at the Tigers, and the over-under on that game is 10. So just a heads up there. But going around the horn, Chris, let's take a look at some of the hitters today. Uh, Starting at the backstop, who are you kind of taking a look at? Yeah, the hitter I'm looking at from behind the plate is Steven Vogt at 2,600 against Joe Musgrove. Musgrove has been blown up in his last couple starts. And Steven Vogt has finally busted out of a prolonged slump he's had at the plate recently. So you like that matchup possibly more for a tournament play because of that slump he's been in. But you also 
I, I could see still some value in a cash game, given that you're only paying twenty six hundred for it. But I, f- I feel like I'd stick more to him in probably tournament plays. He did, he did homer yesterday. Didn't he, he did homer. He had three home or a three run homer and four RBI in that game uh, Sunday. So, but he, before that, he had put up a fair number of goose eggs in a row, some some poor poor outings, and I, I feel like still it might be more a better option in a tournament play because you have that risk of those goose eggs. Mm-hmm. But you're also getting a fairly good matchup at that price, and you're facing Musgrove, who has allowed 13 runs over nine and a third innings in his last two starts, mm-hmm. including four home runs over nine inning nine and a third. So you definitely have the the matchup there that could yield some value. And then my other catcher that I had was Wilson Ramos going up the board a little bit more, 3,300 against Jake Thompson at Hitter Friendly Citizens Bank Park. Uh, Thompson's recent starts, another guy that's been struggling a lot in his recent starts, putting his spot in the rotation possibly in question in the future. Five home runs over 15 innings pitched in his last three start, which is a pretty crazy rate if you think about it, one per three innings, and 15 runs a lot over that span too. So he seems, uh, Ramos had been in a mini slump, but he seems to bust it out of it, nine and a half and 21.7 points in his last two games. So... Of the two catchers, I like those of the catchers on the slate. I like those two catchers the most. Yeah, I'm I'm actually a big fan of Vogt, especially as a value play. I think at 2600, if you need salary relief, he's your man. I mean, I just want to note with the catcher position, Gary Sanchez is 4000 tonight at Kauffman Stadium. I think you have to fade him at almost all costs. I know we were really high on him the last couple of weeks, and I said as long as his price stays under 3000, he's an automatic insert into my lineup. Now that he's up at 4000. I like him because of what he's been able to do, and I know it's still in G, but it's the K against a good defense. And I know I picked Pineda to win this game, but 4,000 is just way too much for, for Gary Sanchez at this point in his career. Get him back down to 3,500, and I start to think about it. I mean, he's $400 more than Grandal at Coors Field tonight. Now, I don't know if Grandal will play against John Gray or not. Maybe we'll see AJ Ellis for 3,000, but either way, uh, I'm fading Gary Sanchez. Looking for vote for value. I also really do like Russell Martin of the Blue Jays going against the lefty and Wade Miley at that hitter-friendly Camden Yard. So just another option. Martin's like splitting the difference between the top. He's 3,400 here on Tuesday night. But what about first base, Chris? Any options at the first base position stand out to you tonight? Uh, Yeah, I have a couple that stand out at the first first base position. The first one that stuck out to me, I guess, a little bit was Mike Napoli going against Hector Santiago. Napoli's best against left-handed hitters this year and that's exactly what Hector Santiago is. He has a decent batter versus pitcher history against him. A couple extra base hits and 14 at-bats, three hits, and and uh, one of them was a home run. He's also walked 10 times against him. So in, he's had 24 plate appearances, 10 walks. So that's a pretty crazy walk rate and an OPS of over 1,000 against him. So mm-hmm. you're you're paying a decent price for a guy in Napoli that has struggled a bit recently. And he's that's a reason I could see another um, him being more of a tournament play again at the first base position, mm-hmm. sitting at thirty four hundred. But he's a guy I I mentioned. He's a guy that I like to produce behind my tournament picture, which I'm going to mention later. Okay. And then yeah. uh, the other one. Sorry, I just had another one. Uh, Adrian Gonzalez a little bit more. I feel like I like him a little bit more in terms of value. He's at thirty six hundred in the day, but 
He's got a lot of factors working in his favor as well. Number this... one being Coors Field. Yes. And the fact that he's under 4,000 in Coors Field, mm-hmm. and in, a, in addition to being under 4,000 at Coors Field, he's been hot at the plate recently. So you have a – and facing John Gray, who isn't exactly – and he's not a bad pitcher, but he's not. I think a he'll guy come into his own eventually. He was a decent yes. prospect, yep. but maybe he's not somebody. He's, for now, he lies more in the pitcher to target than pitcher to fade range. Yeah, I would agree. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I like those picks. I especially like Napoli. I actually skipped over Napoli when I was looking and making my own picks. I looked at three for fourteen in the batter versus pitcher, and I'm thinking, well, that's actually kind of cold. How does he end up on hot? But now that you mention it, ten walks. That means that he sees him pretty well. He gets on base at a five forty two clip against Santiago. So that just means great things potentially for your cash games uh, because you know get a couple six to nine point floor. If he can get a couple hits or RBIs mixed in there, then you're up in the fifteen twenty point range. And that's definitely hitting value. I just want to throw in, I'll cut in early, our batter versus pitcher matchup of the day. Because if there's anybody other than those guys that has a more extensive history, that's going to be Miguel Cabrera against James Shields. Now, you'll have to pay for it at 3900 But Cabrera is 24 for 63 with three home runs and a 1-1-1-7 OPS against James Shields. I, he's got a ton of extra base hits in that area. How many? I mean, if half those games weren't at the K when James Shields was playing, you know, for the Royals, a lot, that's where a lot of that uh, those stats were built up when it was uh, Royals Tigers. Of course, you got the AL Central there. If you know how many of those extra base hits would have been homers if those weren't at the K, it's hard to tell now. But I do like uh, Miguel Cabrera tonight at thirty nine hundred. Moving around to the Keystone, though, Chris, who you got? Yeah, at second base, my top play of the day in terms of dollar value, I guess we'll go with Ian Kinsler at 3,800 against Shields. I do like a lot of those Tigers in that matchup tonight mm-hmm. for good reason. Shields has been blown up a fair amount of times this year. Uh, he has He's a guy that struggled at the dish recently, but given that price tag and, and given that price tag, I could see him being moved off uh, – off of by a fair number of people but again he's another guy with a with a good batter versus pitcher history against shields four home runs in 59 at bats six extra base hits 15 hits another guy he's got four walks and ops of about 800 so he's he's another guy that i feel could bring a still a fair amount of value at even at that 3800 price tag but uh my second second baseman of the day is going down the list a little bit more, a little cheaper option, as D. Gordon at 2,900 against Rafael Montero. A decent matchup for him in this contest. He'd likely be the leadoff hitter for the Marlins, and there's plenty of speed on the base paths. Could snag a base. He's a guy that can turn singles into doubles, doubles into triples that some of the other guys wouldn't be able to do. And the recent drop in production led to a $200 price drop from Sunday to today. And I, I still see plenty of room for value at twenty nine hundred if you're if you're looking for a second baseman at a cheaper price on the on Monday slate. Yeah, I mean I think twenty nine hundred is a steal for a guy like Gordon. I, I think there's a chance that before the end of the season we actually see him escalate into the to the four thousand range. Is that uh was that a pun intended? 
A steal for Gordon? A steal for Gordon, yes, exactly. Pun actually not intended, but uh, I'm going to play it off as if it were. I do like uh, Gordon at 2,900. I think that's a solid play. I also think you can make a pretty good case for Chase Utley because he's not quite maximum price, uh, so he's not getting complete Coors Field inflation. Chase Utley normally around 3,000, sitting at 37 tonight. Uh, I think that's a good play as well if you want to fade some of the top more expensive options. I mean, Daniel Murphy, 4,300. I guess he couldn't go wrong there against uh, Jake Thompson in Philadelphia, but uh, I, I, I don't know. That's just uh, that's uh, a lot to pay for the second base spot here. Uh, but let's go on over to the hot corner where you've got high-priced options such as Josh Donaldson, 4,400, Chris Bryant, 4,200, Manny Machado, 4,100, and Nolan Arenado, 4,100 as the top options on the board Monday night. Are you going from the top or are you going to fish for some value, Chris? I've got a, one from the top and one down a little further with a little more value possibility. The top one, I like the, just the top of the board. I like Josh Donaldson, even at 4400 He's. I still feel that's still an affordable price if you can, if you can afford him. It's a price that sh- still can yield some value. Cause he's a guy that crushes left-handed pitching, and the last couple of weeks he's been hot. Five home runs in the last two weeks. In the past week, even five home runs, and three on Sunday. So, mm-hmm. and, and you look at his totals, He's topped double digits in each of his last five games and or each of his last four games and six of the last seven. So he's a guy that's just extremely hot at the dish. You're getting a, de- a decent matchup. Wade Miley, I don't really – it was a bit of a puzzling move that the, the Orioles made, I think, in the first place. I don't, well, Miley hadn't been particularly spectacular. He, he had been a little better recently, but mm-hmm. even the, his, his poor pitching has kind of carried over to Baltimore. He hasn't been very good in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. And I I still see plenty of room for value at Donaldson at, at forty four hundred exactly. Price I mean, day. just to illustrate Miley, I had to accept Miley in a trade. I traded Cody Allen for Jeff Samarja, a a closer for a starter, because I had several closers. This is season long, of course, so a little bit off the track. But I had to accept Miley in that deal in order for like someone needed to unload Miley <laughs> from their team in order to make this trade viable for them. I took Miley and Andreese and now they're sitting on my bench and it's like I've got them on my bench because it's a 17 teamer but I really have no use for someone like that. So that's my side note on Miley. I'm yeah. right there with you on Donaldson though at 4400. If we did a Ralph Wiggum chalk play of the day, uh which is basically the safest play you can make, I think Josh Donaldson, yeah, not going to have three homer game again, 60 fantasy points might be expecting a lot, but I mean, his history and the matchup in the ballpark are all in his favor. I'm surprised his price isn't 5000 tonight. Yeah, I would agree. It, it seems, given all the factors in his favor, his price would be extremely high. And 4400 is pretty high, but it's a price that we still both believe there's some value there. He can hit value for sure. Yeah, and my uh, other third baseman I had going down the list a little further was Evan Longoria at 3300 against Rick Porcello. Hmm. Doesn't have a particularly great history against him, but he's a guy that's been hot at the dish recently in 955 OPS in the last two weeks. He has 30 long bombs on the season. You wouldn't, maybe, given him being in Tampa Bay, people may not realize. I mean, obviously, people know who Evan Longoria is and that he's a good hitter, but kind of sneaks under the radar a little bit when you're when you're talking about some of the best players because he's sitting in Tampa Bay in a lineup that isn't very good on a daily basis. But he's a significant drop in price tag from Donaldson and he owns a 927 OPS on the road this season. He's better on the road away from Tropicana field, which is probably the case for a lot of uh, Tampa hitters because 
Tropicana Field isn't particularly hitter-friendly environment, Mm -hmm. but uh, he's a guy that I just feel has a good chance to make some value tonight, even though his BVP matchup isn't particularly Mm -hmm. favorable. He does have, I believe, one home run against Porcello in his career, and given his recent surge at the plate and the fact that he's still only 3,300, I could see him reaching value. Yeah, I uh, just wanted to add to that whole line of thinking that Kyle Seeger seems to get a U Darvish price break at 3200 tonight, yet he's 9 for 25 with four extra base hits. No homers against Darvish, but the numbers are almost too good to warrant some sort of price break against Darvish, so, that, so that's worth noting for me. Uh, now, what about shortstop, Chris? We uh, we tried something a little different for the show. We didn't really share any of our hitter picks beforehand, so our, it's kind of a, a wild card to see if we're going to agree on this or not, but there's one shortstop matchup that st- stands out to me the most tonight Uh, i'm gonna go to you first though to see if we're on the same page or if we're going a little bit different with that i only have one shortstop as well but we will see if it's the same one mine is actually down a little bit in price tag so is mine he's at 2600 no we're not quite matching mine's a little more expensive than that but i'll let you go first. i think i may know who you're talking about though too because he was another guy i did look at but my pitch my hitter that i'm going with is tim anderson 2600 against matt boyd he has double-digit totals in two of his last three games, and the splits favor him facing left-handed pitchers. And Ooh, I like that. Even though Matt Boyd's been decent on the mound, I still think at 2600 the price is still there for some value. He's a guy that can, can steal a bag from time to time. Not have to count on that, though. And he, he's a guy that just produces on a daily basis, and you're getting him double-digit points in – five of his last seven games and you're getting that at a 2600 price tag i just don't understand his his splits also like majorly favor facing left-handers he has over 900 ops against them this season so there's a lot of factors working in his favor and you're getting him at a price tag that's well below a lot of other shortstops on the day yeah i, I like that i like your rationale behind that i think my option is just a tad more pricey but I got to be over Troy Tulowitzki tonight, and I know that I come back the to the, that was the that one you was were thinking. The other one. I, it. I I come back to this well a lot, but tonight everything's in his favor. He's only thirty two hundred, so that's a huge price break. He's seven for nineteen against Miley with three extra base hits, only one home run, but he gets Miley at Camden Yards in Baltimore. He had a couple big performances lately, and over August has been pretty well to Tulo. I mean, there's a handful of goose eggs in there, so there's a little bit of a risk. But at the same time, you look through the month of August, he's got some nice, a handful of 20 points. There's a 38, a 31, a 34, and a 24.9 yesterday. So Tulo brings enough positive potential here, especially with the matchup here. Uh, now, what about the outfield, Chris, here? Uh, there, are there any value plays you're trying to pin down in the outfield on Monday? Yeah, I did go down the list with my outfield picks on the day, mainly because I like a lot of these Tigers against James Shields, one of them being Justin Upton at 3,000 against them. He's a guy that's been extremely hot at the plate recently, but his uh, price tag, because of the fact that he's been really bad all season, his price tag still only sits at 3,000. If we look at Upton, in the past couple weeks, past week he's got 1,100 OPS, and in the past two weeks, still sits over a thousand, two home runs and four home runs over that span. Snagged a base in that uh, as well, and I don't see any reason. Obviously, small sample size, one for seven against uh, Shields in his career, but still very relatively small sample size. Not can't really take too much away from that. 
and he's a guy that has put up double-digit points. His last two games, he had nine and zero, but before that, he had five straight games where he put up at least 12 points, and he touched 20 a couple times and even hit 50 points in one game. So I, I feel like there's still plenty of value at his price tag at 3000 against a pitcher, James Shields, that has a tendency to get blown up, and we seem to agree that a lot of uh, Tigers players may be the way to go today if you're looking for a stack, mm-hmm. if you can afford it. Um, my other out- Tigers outfielder actually, Cameron Maben at 2800 against Shields too. Nice. Uh, he's been a, a guy that's been hot at the plate recently since coming back from the disabled list, and in four of his six games, he's hit 10 reach 10 or more points and you're getting him at 2,800. So there's room, there's definitely value at that price tag. And he's a guy that snags bases as well as another guy's speedy enough to turn some singles into extra base hits as well. And he's six for 17 with a triple against shields in his career. So there's a lot of factors working in his favor. I don't quite understand why they have him so low, such a low price on Monday. Um, I have one more. Before we get to yours, my tourney dart of the day. It's going to be it's, – it's a tourney dart because of the pitcher you're going against. It's Curtis Granderson. He's at 3,000 going against Jose Fernandez. So hmm. you, you look at the name, Jose Fernandez, why take hitters against him. Obviously, that's going to scare people away, and this is why I want to look at, look at Granderson as a tournament play because there's going to be low ownership. He's going against – as with the majority of Mets, I would assume, there's going to be a fairly low ownership on a lot of them. But he's a guy, uh, Fernandez is a guy that's not unhittable on the road this season. He has a 4.43 ERA, and lefties are faring a little better against him with a 2.45 batting average against, and six of the 11 home runs he's given up in fewer mm-hmm. uh, plate appearances against lefties for Fernandez. So some of those splits are working in Granderson's favor. And when we look at Granderson's numbers, he hasn't been terrible recently. He's a guy that has 20 home runs. He hasn't been great recently, actually. So he's a guy, but he does have a decent batter versus pitcher history against him. He's four for nine with a couple doubles and a walk against Jose Fernandez in his career. An OPS over 1,100. Obviously, it's another guy with a small sample size, nine at-bats, ten plate appearances against him. But... I still see a chance that he could be a tournament play in this given the 3000 price tag may be a little steep for a lot of people because of the fact that it's Jose Fernandez on the mound, but he's a guy that, again, as I mentioned, his splits are dramatic between home and road. So I still see a chance for something. Yeah, I could see that. I think that's part of the reason we both decided to fade Fernandez tonight because he's not quite at home. And uh, with regards to Granderson, I don't, I don't think he's going to have a problem getting on base, but I think the hitters behind him might have a problem knocking him in. So that's my big concern with Granderson, though I do see where you're coming from there. Uh, one value play I want to throw into the mix, Kevin Pillar. I know that uh, there's been a less, uh, you're going to have to check that Blue Jays lineup that all of a sudden got a little more crowded with the return of Jose Bautista. Maybe he'll go back to the DH today, but just another Toronto Blue Jay P piece against Wade Miley in that favorable matchup, all those favorable conditions. I, I'm trying to get in all in on that uh, game as much as I can. Also, if you need some moderately priced exposure to Coors Field, Josh Reddick, I know he's struggled since coming over to the Dodgers, but he's one of those players that I think you could get in. He sits at 3500 so you don't have to necessarily pay a ridiculous Coors Field premium. Like, for example, 
Blackman's 4,200, Cargo's 3,900, David Dahl's even 3,900. So you don't have to pay a ridiculous Coors Field premium for somebody like Reddick. And although, yeah, he's admittedly struggled a little bit, I think this lineup around him is due. And Reddick would be more of my my version of Granderson, where he's a tournament play that, uh, you know, it's kind of a, it's a contrarian play. You're going against the field there, hoping to succeed in tournament. Well, fantasy football fans, the wait is nearly over. Football is back, which means FanDuel is back, and this year it's better than ever. It's not just the new season at FanDuel, it's a new era. They've upgraded your entire experience with real improvements for everyday fans, and they believe you deserve to experience everything sports has to offer, which makes you sports rich. Try the new FanDuel right now. Just pick your team, stay under the salary cap, and have all the fun that fantasy football has to offer. New to the game? Play in a beginner contest to learn the ropes. If you have a dollar, there are games for just a dollar. 50-50 contests also, where the top half wins cash. Or you can settle a score with a friend in FanDuel's brand new Friends Mode. It's season-long fantasy football with weekly teams. Plus, FanDuel has new features to ensure a fair and level playing field. Have all the fun that football has to offer? Have all the fantasy football has to offer. FanDuel, be sports rich. Before we wrap up today, Chris, I want to throw out a couple of tournament plays there. Uh, you know, I was kind of leaning towards Pineda in cash games, but you seem to think he'd be better suited as a tournament play. But I do see you have another pick here for a tournament. Who are you trying to roll with here on Monday night? Yeah, as I mentioned, when I took Mike Napoli, I do want to have some production behind my pitcher Mm -hmm. and my pitcher of the day is for Cleveland the Indians we have Trevor Bauer at 8200 going against Minnesota he's getting a you're getting a sizable favorite on the mound today if you're taking uh Trevor Bauer he's sitting at just minus or he's sitting at minus 181 for an affordable price at 8200 there's still plenty of uh bats you can put in the lineup even with an 8200 price tag he's a, he's facing Hector Santiago on the day who's been destroyed in the last couple of outings i believe he's given up uh, he's given up a a ton of runs in those last two games mm-hmm. and even over his last five starts i believe he was um yeah he gave up eight earned runs in his last start seven earned in the game before four and four Four, four, and five in the three previous. So he's been given up minimum of four runs in each of his last five starts. And you're getting Bauer as as that favorite, a guy that has a strikeout total in his favor in the past. He has he's hit double digits multiple times, three times this season. And surprisingly, Bauer's price tag had well, not super surprisingly, his price tag's gone up four hundred since his last start. Or no. Well, I mean, he's 8200 His price right tag, now. Yeah. my apologies. His price tag has gone down 400 since his last start mm-hmm. because his last start wasn't particularly good, and he was facing a team in Oakland that's probably a little, at this point I would say maybe a little below average. in competition. Below, uh, below average offensively, yeah, I think so, is a fair assessment of the is. So you get those two, and... I mean that made the price all oh yeah it made the price go down enough to be able to uh, make him make someone consider using him yeah I think I, I'm with you there Chris because uh, you you want to buy low with any type of these guys yeah on and FanDuel. and you look at um, Trevor Bauer he's actually reached 57 62 or 62 and 66 in those three starts that he's topped 10 plus strikeouts and he's facing a Twins offense that's a top 10 in K rate over the past two weeks. 22%. And the main sources of production there in their lineup has been Brian Dozier and Robbie Grossman. And you look at Dozier, he actually has a 
poor history against Trevor Bauer. So there's a lot of fav- uh, favorable factors working for him on the night, especially given that he's such a huge favorite in the game. He gets the win. That's 12 points right there. And you're getting him at a price tag that I still believe can give you plenty of room for value. Mm-hmm. And uh, at a guy that has a high ceiling, which is what you want in tournaments, a ceiling of 57, 62, 66 mm-hmm. at at a price tag of just 8,200, that would give you plenty of room for bats and plenty of points to move you up the leaderboards. Exactly. See, I, although I do like that pick, I'm going to go completely off the rails tonight and uh, be be pretty risky. Going to roll the dice, and I, that, I'm going to do that by picking Sean Manea of the A's at 6,700. First and foremost, I think the Astros, they're minus 170 favorites at home. I think they're much bigger favorites than they actually should be with Joe Musgrove on the mound. I mean, they they are decent hitting against lefties, the Astros are. I mean, they they still strike out, though, at roughly a 23% rate, and they don't completely destroy them. They're number 12 in weighted on base percentage, but that whole middle of the pack, there's like eight teams, and they're separated by four points. So if they just dropped a couple points in weighted on base percentage, they'd all of a sudden be in the bottom half of the league. So they, there's that. You can't really take some of these numbers at face value sometimes. So, uh, again, Astros decent against lefties, but don't destroy them. Next, I think we saw Sean Manea come into his own a little bit in his last start against Cleveland, who is a respectable offensive team. Seven innings of one-run ball. The only blemish is a solo shot to Chris Jimenez. He also struck out eight in that, so that makes him a good tournament play depending on his price. He's had nine strikeouts before in a game against the Rangers, and I think he's finally starting to turn the corner. It's risky, but for 6,700, I'm willing to give it a shot here on Monday night. I mean, there's He just... was one that I did consider, too. I just... I was looking at him, and I just couldn't pull the trigger on him, but I'm glad you did, so I don't have to be the one to, to throw it out there. But mm-hmm. I, So I'll I be do. the one to crash and burn if he gets blown <laughs> yes. up tonight. But you also could reap the benefits if mm-hmm. if it goes the other direction. But is it worth a $1 lineup? Yeah, sure, I'd give it a shot. That way you can get a ton of course fueled action tonight if you need to be. However, watch out because looking over at the weather, uh, it doesn't look super menacing right now, but we do have some rain that affected some of our picks. It's looking like we might get showers at Coors Field. What's new there? And we also um, might get some showers at the K and Kaufman, so that might affect my Pineda pick from earlier on. Just a heads up for our listeners here. Uh, before we sign off, though, we have a special offer for new FanDuel users. Get a free six-month Rotowire subscription with just a $10 deposit on FanDuel. Go to FanDuel.com slash Rotowire to get this going. Not only will you get the free subscription, but you'll have that $10 available to play with on FanDuel. That's over $40 in value for just $10. Remember to go to FanDuel.com slash Rotowire. If you're already a FanDuel user, you still want to check out the website, be sure to go to Rotowire.com slash pod. That's Rotowire.com slash P-O-D for a free 10-day trial. I'm Jake Lutarski here. You can find me on Twitter at jakeski 52 Chris, thanks for joining me today. You guys can give Chris a follow at crispy 27 The Rotowire Daily Fantasy Podcast will return Tuesday with John McKechnie and I. They're going to kill the love of my life. Casey! If I don't go back to what I was doing. This Friday. Our line of work is quite brutal and quite ruthless. How far would you go for love? You steal truck, bring it to me. Then you make your money. Is it dangerous? Of course it's dangerous! Nicholas Holt, Felicity Jones, with Ben Kingsley and Anthony Hopkins. All this trouble, all this pain, for love. Collide, in theaters Friday. Rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13.